Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 156 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me... Hey. Hello! Hello! How are you doing? I'm alright, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very hot as well, because there's oh. no ventilation in this room and I've had to turn the fan off so it doesn't come through on the recording. So, uh, yes, it's warm in here. It is very, very, very warm. It's been very pleasant and not what usually what you get for a bank holiday weekend, but, you know, that's... Not at all. Yes, so uh, we've been having fun out in the sun today. Uh, yes, yeah, so today I went for a little walk, decided to get out, uh, me and a friend who I I shall refer to her as the Raven. She wanted me to refer to her as that because we're going to be talking about her later. Right. Um, we decided to uh, venture across South London, taking some of the parks. Obviously, we planned this before we knew it'd be the hottest day of the year. Um, yes. So we ended it very red and rosy. Um, and to get our separate trains back, um, we sort of regretted that we may have chosen the wrong day. But anyway, we had a good, uh, nice 12 miles walked and uh, it was good to be out. And we talked a lot about one of the big talking points of today's podcast, The Avengers. Um, yes. uh, sort of the spoiler information so I'll be talking about that a bit later on Cool, so what else have you been doing this week? So I haven't spoken to you now since uh, the beginning of Easter and obviously yeah. I had a bit of time off over Easter so yeah. uh, I worked really hard on clearing a lot of my backlog of old programmes so I'm less catching up, I'm trying to just clear like old series from the planner and things like that. I know so the I, feeling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I finished things like Save Me, the Lenny James drama um, Oh yeah. Really, really loved it frustrated by that final episode but I know why they did it it was really clever yeah. um, I finished finally Unreal Season 2 I know we spoke about that previously on love, the last podcast love that show yeah. yes so I'm looking forward to starting Season 3 um, yeah. I finished The Good Doctor Electric Dreams the ninth series of Will and Grace that was great uh, as well so all of them great great things that I've really wanted to watch and finish yeah. um, this week alone I finished The Assassination of Gianni Versace on BBC yes uh, that's, uh, that just blew me away it was really good. I, I've been reading some of the sort of the critics' responses about maybe giving too much attention to the killer, and mm. I do understand that in some way. But to be honest, Darren Chris played him so well. Yeah, yeah. I've I've not got to the end of that yet. I've, it's one of those that I've got to get through at some point. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Giving too much attention to the killer, whether what else you do if you're doing the assassination of Gianni Versace, yeah. you can't base it on Versace. He's dead. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, I remember 
remember talking to you very, very first started. The frustrating thing with that, you have to watch it live or where somewhere you've got constant internet connection because you're not allowed to download it on BBC. So I've been quite disciplined yeah. one night a week being in, like properly watching it on the TV. And I've, I've really enjoyed that. Right, yeah. This week alone, I finished uh, SMILF, Smilf, um, which yes. was on uh, Atlantic. Uh, quite enjoyed that. Some very weird things in the last couple of episodes. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's just a really nice ensemble cast you've got in there as well. And I watched the bizarre, finished the bizarre comedy Lee and Dean, which was playing on Channel 4, but also was released an entire box set. Oh, okay. Um, it's like this like documentary slash odd comedy about two builders and their lives. And it was, it was an odd comedy. I keep watching these odd things and seeing it right <laughs> through to the end. And I probably should have stopped it about episode two, but I finished that anyway. Good. I worked out I'm probably now about four episodes behind on Flash, Black Lightning, Legends, Supergirl, etc. That's not too bad. That's no, all right. Just because yeah. I've been trying to finish the old stuff. But I am keeping up to date with Timeless. Yes. Which, you know, a huge fan of Timeless. I, I read the letter this week from Eric Kripke and his team. Yes, um, very much on the bubble at the moment. Make yeah. sure make sure you're you're uh, watching and supporting and retweeting yeah. at NBC about the show and how much you love it. But, it's, um, was it you that said it might work better on a, be- a different station? I think it was probably Sam, the lovely Sam over at uh, uh, the Save Timeless UK Twitter account was I think was talking about there is talk of it maybe moving to the USA network whether because that's a sister station to NBC whether that will actually happen or not I I don't know but that actually might not be a bad move for it if that does happen the moment it seems very much on the bubble and uh, they're they're pushing quite hard to get the fan reaction behind it and uh, because it saved it last time whether it would save it this year I I don't know but uh, I I do really enjoy that series and uh, I would like to see it return again yeah same here same here and i'm just now one episode behind on shield so i caught up to all of shield oh, well yesterday afternoon and i'm sorry if this is spoilerific for anyone listening i'm just really glad we got to the end of that first pod um <laughs> yeah. out of all the seasons i really didn't enjoy these first 10 episodes and um i sort of did a bit of reading ahead and i now know that episode 11 which would have played last night but i haven't caught up with is out of that storyline which yes. to me yeah i'm really happy about yeah um, it is i actually didn't mind that opening arc but it was starting to wear a little thin towards yeah. the end so I, I am sort of glad that they do make it back and uh, not everything goes well for them obviously but yeah. they, they <laughs> at least uh, do make it back so uh, so yes that's good and tonight hopefully after the podcast I'm going to finish off Divorce and Marcella which has been hanging around on my iPad for a while that I want to finish those two series so I've been enjoying both of them and I can't wait I, I, I've avoided all the spoilers for that last episode of <laughs> Marcella but well, a couple of friends have told me it's really good so I'm going to do that later good good I'm about to head into what's called exam season yes. um, I, I also moonlight for the exam board so I work for them so not only do I have all oh. my students going through exams I also work for the exam board at the same time so you say goodbye to evenings for about three to four weeks um, yeah. while I'm just plowing through those but you know I still got my train journeys to keep plodding away on everything on my iPad and so I'll still be dipping into things i just know that it's going to be a really hard slog over the next few weeks yeah i have so much admiration for what teachers do because i have a lot of friends who are teachers and they seem to spend their entire life marking stuff yes. <laughs> so uh yeah to, to be doing that and particularly around exam season it's gonna be uh, nuts yes i'm sure 
So I've kept my list very short this week because a lot of the stuff I've been watching has been, again, just catching up or you know continuing with shows like the DC shows and all that sort of thing. So um, I, I've been keeping up with, with all the regular things, but there has been two big things this week. The first one was over the weekend, I got to go to Creation Entertainment Supernatural Official Convention, <laughs> which, was, uh, which was in Birmingham. Uh, I, I'm get the impression that maybe the first time creation's done supernatural over here i have to say it it was one of the most well organized of those specific show conventions i've ever seen because i have been to a few of those before and they can be absolute madness of you know things not starting on time people running all over the place nobody's sure where anything is yeah but this this was brilliantly run uh they were absolutely superb it was in one of the main halls at the nec as well not in some hotel somewhere which is usually where they do them it's a massive one of the yeah i mean if you've ever been to the nec you know how big even the small halls are are at the nec i mean i didn't get the full experience because i had a ticket to to get me into the venue and sit and watch them come up on stage and do stuff and you know and uh, talk to the crowd and do q a's and that sort of thing it was one of those things that like they did things like a karaoke party one night which apparently some of the stars come out and get up on stage and sing with fans they also did a thing called uh, Saturday Night Special which is headlined by a band called Loud and Swain who are actually made up of some of the people that were in Supernatural uh, the can't remember the guy's name it's the guy that played god in the show uh is the lead singer of it and uh i think the um the guy that played gabriel as well i think he's involved with that loud and swain actually kind of tie the whole weekend together they're kind of the the thread through everything so they introduce the acts so they compare the whole thing and introduce people on keep the crowd going sort of in between while they're sorting stuff out they also had uh, misha collins there they had jared and jensen there um wow. Misha, Jared and Jensen were brilliant, absolutely superb. I mean all the Q&As were really good, but uh obviously I mean those are the three big guys that a lot of people are there to see. Mm. They were they were absolutely superb, very very funny, lots of stories and stuff. There will be an article going up on the site at some point this week. I'm not entirely sure when yet, just sort of talking about it. I don't know how many photos I'm going to be able to put up because there are contractual things about whether you can use photos taken at the event on a business quote-unquote site so uh, as, as opposed to just being a fan sticking it on your instagram so i'm not sure but they there will be some stuff and an article relating to supernatural up on there if, Excellent. You, if you're interested in that the uh, other thing this week is um avengers infinity war of course which we yes. have now both seen so if you haven't watched it please fast forward 10 minutes until you've watched it or yeah, <laughs> listen yeah. with um, I, I think we will. I haven't used this for a while, but the uh, here's the spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 What spoilers? So that's the spoiler warning. Hey. You know there are spoilers incoming. Uh, obviously, we are going to talk about Infinity War. If you haven't seen it yet, first of all, what are you doing with your life? And second, <laughs> skip forward, you know, ten minutes or so. Uh, we'll we'll see how long it takes. But yeah, ten minutes or so. He's probably about right so what did you think of infinity war well i i saw it twice within 48 hours wow uh, <laughs> it was, so i had it booked my 
friend who we referred to as the Raven. We yes. booked it in probably about December, and we booked like the evening of the Thursday because I just couldn't, I couldn't possibly do a midnight showing and then go to work. But yeah. a flurry of my students in their madness had booked the midnight showing. <laughs> so I had this bizarre moment <laughs> at that day at school. Do not talk to me, and I had to just ignore these certain set of students. And they looked tired and drained and all that, and they didn't really want to talk to me. But um, I was, I was so nervous, Dave. I felt almost quite tense in the cinema every time a new advert or a new trailer came on i was getting myself really worked up because the anticipation for this film was so high um and i was just blown away i i absolutely loved the film um and i sort of i put a tweet out straight away and i know that a couple of people picked it up to say i'm not going to write a full review of it because i want people to go and see it um and cast their own opinions and i don't think i could write an honest review at the moment without being spoilerific yeah but phenomenally done what they did with that amount of characters in that time was just incredible the story was good it wasn't done for trickery it wasn't done for oh we need to do all of this and i just genuinely enjoy and when i watched it the second time there's always that worry that i'd get bored or i'd be checking my watch again i was completely glued i was picking up on things i didn't notice in the first time i I can't praise it enough then you come away and you break down a few things and you talk and uh, about an hour of the walk today me and my friend we're just breaking it down (laughs) trying to come up with justifications about what the fourth movie will entail yeah uh, and those things to do with ant-man and the wasp and captain marvel and how they're going to fit into this Mm. um and there's so many theories so we've come up with a couple that we're um, I'm ready to sort of talk about and on. the, the one scene that really intrigues me and I almost had a sleepless night about this is very end where we go to sort of like the silent pool where yeah. Thanos is looking at the little Gamora and right. she says was it worth it and that scene just sticks in my head that it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me and I'm not sure where that comes in and to me I feel that could be a big answering point to the next movie mm. so yeah. I that that scene is completely, you know, and I, I've heard about the Captain Marvel rumors and it's going to go back to the 90s and it's going to talk about the aliens who are shapeshifters. And there's a question whether that would almost reveal a lot of what's going on later down the line. But yeah. part, part of me still hanging on for that little bit about that Gamora scene. I don't know. It's just maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just bit, but me and the Raven, I'll call her. We're, we're talking about it today and we genuinely are perplexed by that element because, you know, what did it mean? Yeah, that's that's. That's kind of an interesting one. I mean, um, I just thought they did such a good job, particularly, you know, having most of the Marvel characters in there. As we know, Ant-Man was missing, uh, Hawkeye was missing as well. Yeah. But most of the other characters were in there. Just giving screen time to everybody, it never felt like it was particularly dragging to me. I just thought it covered its bases so well. Genuinely funny. I thought Spider-Man particularly stood out in this film, I thought, as well. I thought he was really good Um, I like the twist at the end of it I mean it's interesting because Bex did a review of this Uh, there is a video review upon uh, her Trista Bites YouTube channel which and she does make an interesting point in that which is the only slight problem with the ending of the film is that by getting rid of a lot of the newer characters we already know they're in upcoming movies we already know they've signed contracts so you know a lot of those guys if not all of them are going to have to come 
come back in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so although it was an interesting misdirect for the end of this, because we know they're going to have to come back, that possibly takes a little bit of the wind out of it. But I do wonder whether they're going to sort of bring them back and end up killing off in the next part some of the people that we expected to lose in this part yeah whether we'll lose sort of you know your your robert Darren, danny juniors your chris evans is you know the people that we know of expressed an interest of maybe not doing this for the rest of their life you know <laughs> yeah i i also thought like afterwards as well again with students you start like fleshing out like questions there was another character missing i felt as a huge f- fan of thor ragnarok where was valkyrie oh yeah okay so tessa Tom Brilliant and Korg were also on that ship. And so I was diving into the mine of the internet after the second viewing. And I found that, you know, the answer is, and now it's come out and Tessa Thompson's tweeted, apparently her and Korg are on a different ship and they got half of the Asgardians away because there's one line that Thor says in the movie, half of my people have been killed. Ah. So there's a safe, you know, Tessa Thompson has made it out. So I was really, really pleased about that. And then obviously I came away thinking, Man and the Wasp. Well, how's that going to happen? Because that's the next movie, and surely by the ending of this movie, how's that going to work? Making sure all the characters are there, and then reading on that. So, Ant Man and the Wasp takes place from the very end of Civil War and right through until this movie, Infinity War. So, we're going to okay. see the end of Infinity War technically during the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, which me and my friend have said that would be the reason Ant-Man will come out of his protected custody, which they they said in the the film, didn't they? Because if half of his family were to disappear due to... Then he would suddenly come out to try and battle, and that could be happening with Clint or Hawkeye as well, where Mm. he is at the end of, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, his family could potentially be affected by that. And so they push him out. But yeah, it was very interesting that the core people were there, that the weird thing, Rocket and Nebula, to me, that was just an odd, those two characters were left. And so, and then my friend, she said to me today, well, how else would Tony Stark get back from the planet? Well, maybe it'd be Nebula's ship that she got there. Yeah, yeah. Because she, so that started making sense. That's why you've got to talk it out with people sometimes. You start, 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 fleshing around all the outside um but i think some of the performances in there for for such little screen time were really really good um i i felt that like having chadwick boseman back very little screen time but he was brilliant as you mentioned uh, spider-man absolutely fantastic yeah. uh, chris chris hemsworth and chris pratt were yeah. just fantastic we're brilliant I, yeah. I, chris hemsworth actually i mean if you look at the evolution of that character from when they very first introduced him through to now has been been absolutely brilliant you know mm. the things that they've managed to do with that character and the depth they've managed to start putting into him i think he's one of the most improved characters from the very beginning you know he was yeah. he was fine when he first started but i think he he's become a great character now yeah. um the scarlet witch vision section the problem with those two characters is they've never had enough screen time they've always been supplementary they've to always the been plots. supplementary but you had to give them more screen time in this film because of vision having you know an infinity Mm. stone stuck in his head but it makes it more difficult to care about them because they've always been kind of ancillary characters yeah so that would be my only slight i mean i don't want to criticize it at all because i thought the whole movie was great but that would be a, a 
very very minor wrinkle for yeah. me but that's um, like that's like i was talking today um about the dwarf who makes the hammer peter dinklage yes i found his voice frustrating and i said i'm being so picky yeah. you know the, the accent they made him do obviously that he's trying to mimic the Asgardians in terms of like his voice must be a, 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 an extract from their language and dialect but I said for some reason I just found Peter Dinklage's character really annoying but I think I'm looking for you know tiny little factors in it mm. just to try and justify yeah, there's got to be something I rather like the fact that they uh, used Peter Dinklage for, you know, as a little actor for that role and he is effectively playing a dwarven character because yeah, that's what they made it wasn't he yeah, yeah he's playing a dwarven character but they made the dwarves giants which yeah. I, I thought was was brilliant I really like that idea that was kind of interesting I know uh, the whole thing differs quite a lot from the comic book but it sort yes. of has to because there are different characters involved that I don't have an issue with at all I think I, I just thought they did a really solid job with it um, yeah. all around hats off to the Russos they really know what they're doing exactly and I just think that is meticulous meticulous planning and that is what they got right and what so far we haven't seen from dc they haven't planned it well enough and they've just gone too hard too fast um and it hasn't got the depth that we've seen in infinity war because if you fundamentally think about it the villains have the same Mm. you know they they have the same goal but thanos is so much more rounded um he's been developed so much and the movie is his i've heard it said by so many people who are reviewing this Mm. and writing about it it is thanos's movie it's not tony stark in the lead role it is thanos in the lead role and that's how you made this film different we suddenly weren't following a hero we were following the villain and his journey and where he was going and i thought that was a very clever thing that you know not many people sat in cinema thinking that but actually that's what they've done they're Mm. suddenly sitting in the film appreciating a villain and following his journey and that to me can't congratulate them enough i thought that was a a genius move uh, because the biggest problem i always have with any superhero film is they did certainly have a tendency to descend into the villain being a mirror version of the hero even Black Panther which was a great film that's essentially what the villain is a mirror version of the hero or there's some big mindless thing that wants to just destroy everything for some random reason I rather like that Thanos you kind of get why there is a reason to what he's doing you know Mm. uh, there is a purpose to it he's not just doing it for the sake of being evil he believes that he's doing the right thing and that I I thought was really good I mean the the only other thing which uh, again I I would sort of agree with Bex on on this was killing off Loki was heart-wrenching so early oh, <laughs> those first I, two in Idris and, uh, and Hiddleston yeah, yeah. in minutes <laughs> yeah and, and you're like whoa this is this is an interesting way to start I mean I you know and I adore Loki as a character I mean Tom Hiddleston's great in that role and uh, I'm hoping that they can bring him back because he wasn't killed with everybody else at the end and I do wonder if we're only going to get those end characters back not people that died along the way it's kind of interesting I do wonder whether we are going to get a Loki back at the end of all this or or whether he is now definitely done for I personally think he's done for Mm. but it wouldn't be surprising if if, you know this whole Captain Marvel could create a whole different sort of world for us in total so yeah all in all a ginormous thumbs up from the pair of us for that I would say (laughs) 
yes um and it's only two weeks till deadpool now so that one uh, that one will be my next one <laughs> yeah definitely looking forward to uh, to deadpool that looks like it's going to be brilliant then you've got ant-man and wasp july ish venom which i know is not directly connected but that's in october and then captain marvel coming march next year which will then be fairly quickly followed in may by avengers 4 yeah so yes interesting lineup coming up it just yes. frustrates me that dc haven't managed to sort this out for their movies because marvel is making yeah. it seem so easy <laughs> yeah but then you know that's 19 films and 10 years and we now really appreciate what they've done and every little thing they've sort of layered in all those movies has just yeah. been really really good and yeah. so sort of hats off to them as well yes yeah brilliant right spoiler, um, spoiler over spoiler over yes, everybody come spo- back spoiler <laughs> over you can all come back now that's the stuff we have been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news We'll start off the TV and film news this week with some air date updates. And once again, they're not so much air date updates as they are renewals and cancellations. Next week is actually most of the upfront presentations for the big US networks. So mm-hmm. by the end of next week, we should know everything that's been renewed, all the new shows, what's been cancelled, all that sort of stuff. We should have most of that in the bag. So uh, if not all of it, but we should have most of it. So there are are a few that are coming out beforehand particularly over this side of the pond so bbc have renewed three different things uh poldark has got fifth season there is talk of poldark be- this has been the last season of poldark but they have still technically got i think three books to go so i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, they have said that this may be the final season of it but we'll see mcmafia has got a second season which i think was fairly predictable that was going to yeah. come back and uh, still open all hours has been renewed for a fifth season as well so oh, got, like, they a- love that don't they <laughs> yeah uh for Fox have renewed Empire for uh, fifth season and uh, just announced today The Resident, which is the new medical drama that's been renewed for a second season. The rest of them you can sort of file under, certainly the US ones you can file under. Well, of course they have. Handmaid's Tale has been renewed for a third season. Westworld has been renewed for a third season. The Good Fight has been renewed by CBS for a third season. So they're all back. American Gods has finally started production as well on its second season, but that's not going to air until 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a few problems behind the scenes with that, with showrunners leaving and all that sort of stuff. But they seem to have now settled all that and they're, they're back into it. Uh, Neil Gaiman, I think he's, he's co-show running it with somebody else. That's back up and running. And they also announced last week, although not officially announced from Dave, but the guys from Red Dwarf were doing a Comic Con thing like they regularly do and have said that they are coming back for a 13th season, which I'm very, very happy about. I thought you would be. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I've been a fan of that show ever since the first episode so i'm extremely happy that that's coming back for a 13th season particularly as the last two seasons have been very much back on form really funny and because they went through a little bit of a rough patch in the middle but i think the last two seasons have been far closer to the earlier episodes than the sort of slightly dodgier ones in the middle so i'm incredibly happy for that being back they're also talking about potentially doing a live stage show and then possibly doing a 14th season (laughs) so uh, they're talking about 
about maybe getting the O2 or somewhere, something like that, and and doing a live stage show of it, which would be interesting. And I can see that working really well. So that would be interesting as well. On to other news. The BBC has uh, had its commissioning pen out the, the last sort of uh, few weeks. They've commissioned this whole bunch of uh, new dramas and comedies from some very interesting mixed bunch of people. There's uh, one called Don't Forget the Driver, which is written and created by Toby Jones, who is a genius, a wonderful actor, was in The Detectorists and Marvelous mm-hmm. and a million other things. And uh, he's teamed up with the OB award-winning playwright Tim Crouch, who has done The Oak Tree and The Beginners. It's a dark comedy which is set in the sunny seaside town of uh, Bognor Regis. Not far um, from me. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> well, well, my parents live, yeah. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, it's what it means to live, work and parent at this point when the entire UK population is having to come to terms with the changing their colour of their passports and everything that comes with that. So it's the story of a coach driver who is a single dad, played by Jones. His life is an ordinary routine of sort of click-on ties, limp-pack lunches, vehicle checks, round-trip coachy journeys and all that sort of stuff. Green is at full stretch just about coping with his disaffected daughter Kaylee and Audrey, his mum, whose life is rapidly descending into confusion of fear. Discovery of a dead body on the docile Bogner shoreline and an unsettling meeting with a new arrival in the town that turns Green's life into chaos. A lost soul in need of assistance who he could help, but will he and can he? Sort of murder, Toby Jones playing that sort of very normal person thrown into a, into a very abnormal situation. I rather like the sound of this. I think it could be quite good. I'm going to be uh, spotting sights, I imagine, when I start when I watch this. <laughs> I've been there. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, there is also another comedy called Defending the Guilty coming from Big Talk, who are the people that make Rev and Mum and Cold Feet and Friday Night Dinner. It's written by Kieran Quirk, who wrote Cuckoo. It uh, stars Will Sharp, who's in Flowers, who plays Will Packham, an idealistic pupil barrister being shown the ropes by a cynical, worldly wise pupil master Caroline, played by the BAFTA award winning Catherine Parkinson from The It Crowd and, of course, Humans. Mistakenly believe his role is to serve justice, to which she tells him, No, Will, a barrister's job is to win. Will must navigate his way through criminal justice system, seemingly designed to be as opaque and confusing as possible. So it's not a legal drama, it's a legal comedy. <laughs> which I think is is kind of an interesting idea. Also stars Gwyneth Kayworth, who was in the brilliant and cruelly shot down after one season, Wasted and uh, Black Mirror. So um, I think that could be quite good because Catherine Parkinson is brilliant. Um, I'm not sure I know Will Sharp very well, but uh, and Gwyneth Kayworth is great as well. So could be interesting that. I like the idea that it's legal comedy rather than legal drama. Yeah, something a bit different out there. Yeah, yeah. So there's that as well. There's also the other one which is created by Holly Walsh who wrote Psycho Bitches and Dead Boss love those yeah love those produced by Pippa Brown who was behind Psycho Bitches Bad Education and Bounty Hunters the lead character is called Kathy her dad has just died he was the most caring generous funny man you'd ever miss to eat brilliant husband and father he's now died and it's the most selfish thing that he ever did although at the funeral then finds out that Colin 
also had a rather massive secret in that he had a mistress and on top of that he also has another family so she then goes on to discover that she has a half-sister out there who are living 13 miles away in a neighbouring town. Yeah, I, I don't know. With these sort of shows, that could be played like a very, very broad, open-all-hours type comedy, but I suspect, given the people behind it, it's going to be a bit darker than that. Yeah, I remember watching the pilot. They did a pilot last oh, okay. year, and the reason I really liked it, it had um, Lauren Soccer in it, who was originally from Misfits, and right. she played the other daughter. Ah. Um, and so she was just brilliant because she was the polar opposite to the actress, I think it's Ellie White, her name is, who played the Catherine. And I really enjoyed it. I think I, I, I remember they did a pilot season and this one really did stick out for me because I was like, oh, I wonder if this will get a full sort of um, series because it had Rebecca Front in it. A huge fan of Rebecca Front. Yes, um, yeah potentially if it worked as well as that pilot episode and i don't know i know sometimes in recommissions they redo the pilot episode oh, as the first episode or yeah i mean i don't know whether they're going to redo that entirely or whether mm. they'll just play it again it is the same cast though by the looks of things mm. so but no I, I i that's a very very good program if that comes to come through i really enjoyed that so those are the comedies in terms of the dramas there's some interesting ones as well there's uh, black earth rising which is an international thriller written directed and produced by the bafta winning hugo Blick, who was behind The Honourable Woman and The Shadow Line. Bear in mind this is a BBC drama. It stars John Goodman and uh, Michaela Cole. Uh, John Goodman, obviously, Roseanne, Big Lebowski, a million other things. Uh, Michaela Cole from Chewing Gum and London Spy. Good headlining cast so far. It's set across UK, Europe, Africa, the US, uh, explores issues of justice and guilt and self-determination, centres on Kate Ashby, played by Cole, who was rescued as a young child during the Rwandan genocide and adopted by a world-class British prosecutor in international law. Uh, She was raised in Britain and is now in her late 20s and works as a legal advisor in the lawn chamber of Michael Ennis, who is played by John Goodman. When Eve takes a case on the International Criminal Court prosecuting African militant leader, the story detonates pulling Michael and Kate into a journey that will upend their lives forever. So I just like the look of this, given the cast behind it Mm. and the fact that it's got that kind of dark international thriller mystery thing going on I think could be quite good good strong cast I mean that is a really good cast yeah I I think that sounds really good there's English Stan which is created by Riz Ahmed Riz Ahmed was the star of The Night Of and uh, Rogue One Star Wars story follows the story of three generations of Pakistani family called the Latifs so it's the uh, parents the children and the grandchildren we follow them as they pursue their dreams over four tumultuous decades navigating shifting circumstances and involving loyalties so it's sort of a look at various political movements obviously there is going to be uh, race stuff in there as well kind of interesting because it's coming from Riz Ahmed who is known mainly as an actor not a show creator so yeah that could be an interesting one to keep an eye out for there's Death and Nightingales with an adaptation of the classic Irish novel and there's a a show called Doing Money which is written by Gwyneth Hughes and directed by Lindsay Miller shocking true story about slavery in modern Britain that one it's a one-off drama though it's not serious that mm. so um, yeah I mean interesting collection of stuff they've commissioned coming up I think yeah a nice little a range of uh, programs as well yeah so. yeah so and it's not that often we get to cover kind of British things on the show it's usually all American like new yeah. shows and stuff so so um, yes yeah, so I'm quite glad to definitely keep you watching BBC 2 anyway uh, don't know when any of that's going to air it's obviously it's just been commissioned 
collection now so it's going to be in the next year or couple of years probably before we see all of those moving over to the other side of the pond although they have appropriated a, a British classic yes, heard about this <laughs> uh, Hulu have picked up a Four Weddings in the Funeral series so this is coming from the people behind the Mindy Project including Mindy Kaling and it's obviously based on the classic Four Weddings and Funeral yeah. um, the principle is kind of as you what you would expect it's it's the same as the movie uh, it's a group of friends whose lives intersect through five different events which are obviously for weddings and a funeral one would presume uh, mm. it's listed as a limited series at the moment that could mean one of two things that means they're either only planning to do it for one season or it means it's an anthology series so they can potentially change the entire cast every season yeah. but could, yeah. because you can't necessarily put the same person through four weddings and a funeral every single every season <laughs> so, so uh, it, it may be a you know it may be that they just do it as a one-off it may be that it gets recommissioned for a second season and they will either keep have either have some of the characters intersect or it will be a complete anthology and they'll just change the entire cast i don't know i mean it's obviously going to be americanizing it which makes me cringe slightly um yeah because it's such a classic british thing i yeah so i don't know i don't think it's gonna convert well over here i can see yeah. it having a good sort of probably a good audience in the u.s but i wonder when it comes over here we might might not pick up on it and like it as much as maybe the americans do we'll see we'll have to see how that one comes yeah i i don't know it's one of those things that does make you wince a little bit when you hear it but uh, <laughs> we'll see and uh, the last news story we've got is uh, dc's streaming service which we've been referred to as dc's untitled streaming service upcoming <laughs> untitled streaming service for like the ever uh, finally has a name it's called dc hey. it's called dc universe which is not exactly the most imaginative thing in the world but at least we don't want to call it now this is the streaming service which is going to host titans the live action dick grayson titans series yeah we knew that was coming on there they've got a few other things that that are going to come on to it as well they've also added a live action swamp thing series do you know swamp thing at all as a character no not okay. at all what they're saying for the official synopsis is when cdc researcher abby arcane returns to her childhood home of uh, huma in louisiana in order to investigate a deadly swamp-born virus, she develops a surprising bond with a scientist called Alec Holland, only for him to tragically be taken from her. But as the powerful forces descend on Huma, intent on exploiting the swamp's mysterious properties for their own purposes, Abby will discover that the swamp holds mystical secrets, both horrifying and wondrous, and the potential love of her life may not be dead after all. I don't think it's a huge stretch to say that Alex Holland turns into swamp thing. Yeah. Um, so the way in seems to be through the uh, CDC researcher, which is Abby Arcane, who I think he's from the comic books as well and and was his sort of girlfriend. I mean, that's quite a bold thing to, to pick up on as a TV show. It's not the first time they've done Swamp Thing as a film or actually I think they did it as a live action TV show before, but uh, not with this sort of budget that it's right. probably going to get now. Wes Craven made two movies in the 80s and there was a TV series that ran in the 90s for three seasons. 
difference. I had um, no idea. Your research is amazing. I didn't even <laughs> know that existed. <laughs> so uh, there have also been another of, a number of animated series based around it as well. It's coming from James Wang, who is uh, the person behind the Conjuring and uh, Saw franchises. Mark Verdehein, who is behind Asterius vs. Diesel, Dead Daredevil, and interestingly, Constantine as well. He was involved in that series. That's the person writing it. And Gary Doberman, who was the co-writer on it and Annabelle Creation. So there's a lot of kind of very horror-based people that are surrounding it, which is kind of interesting because it might give you an idea of it's going to be a darker tone thing by the sounds of it. It's interesting having somebody that worked on Constantine in there because in the comic books, Constantine and Swamp Thing have quite a close relationship. So whether this will still be part of the DC kind of TV universe, it's not a Belanti show, so there's no reason it should be. Mm. But whether they would possibly use Matt Ryan as Constantine again, if Constantine happens to show up in this universe at some point, don't know. But it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Do we think we're, we're going to get DC Universe? That is one thing which I have asked DC, and they're saying we're not going to reveal any more about it yet, but we will find out in due course. At the moment, we don't know. Given the shows that are going on there, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do it worldwide. They may launch it in the US first, but it's yeah. like the whole Disney thing, because Disney have got their own unnamed streaming service coming as well. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that is going to be worldwide, but it's going to launch in the US first. But obviously people want that because it's got a Star Wars series coming onto it. So yeah. if you're going to have things which are only available in one particular place, either they're hopefully they're either going to get sold on to somebody else or we are going to get this as a service. It does mean you're going to have one more thing to pay for though. Yeah, it's just going to, it could, Sky in particular, could take a huge hit if DC pull all their shows. That, I think, is very unlikely. I suspect that all those shows will stay where they are. I don't think that you're going to get Flash Arrow all that mm. moving across. Those shows are all still airing on the CW in the US. Those are still going to be on there. And in actual fact, the second run rights to that are owned by Netflix in the US. So those shows at the moment can't go on to the DC. Uh, okay. So that really is the same setup both sides of the Atlantic, which does make me wonder whether the streaming service is going to be worldwide because one of the reasons they may have left it like that in the US is because it causes more problems if they start putting those shows onto the streaming network. Mm. So I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see and see what... Hopefully they'll announce a bit more about it later on in the year when we know a bit more. We also know that they've got a Young Justice Outsiders animated series coming, a Harley Quinn animated series, and uh, there's supposed to be a, a Metropolis series coming, which is a sort of pre-Superman showing up version of Superman in the same way that Gotham is a pre-Batman. Okay. It's that sort of thing. Although I get the feeling that there won't be any Clark in it at all. No. Uh, the, the, th the show is based around Lois Lane and Lex Luthor. Because if there was Clark in it, it's just Smallville remakes. Yeah, that's all it would be, exactly. <laughs> so so uh, this is going to be Metropolis prior to Lois knowing about Clark at all. So I, I think that's that's basically what it is. It seems to be our Lois and Lex.
suspects investigating the world of fringe science. So it's sort of X Files in DC, as far as yeah, I can or tell. Yeah, fringe as well. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. But at the moment, there are plans for doing that, but they didn't like the first draft of the script, so that's all gone back to the drawing board. So we'll we'll see whether that emerges again at some point. But it is still in contention for being on the network at some point. That's all the news we have for this week. Next, we move on to well, it's interviews, but it's a special selection of interviews based around a certain synth TV show. As the embargo has finally, finally been lifted, we can talk about Humans Season 3 and bring you some interviews with some of the cast, which I recorded last November, would you believe? Wow. I had the chance to go on a set visit, which I think I I mentioned that at the time because I was allowed to mention I'd been there, but not what we did. So um, I went over onto a set visit down in London on a very cold day down in London and uh, got to speak to some of the cast while I was down there. Obviously, there is a new series of Humans coming up it's coming on the 17th of may to channel four we sent bex down to go and see the premiere of the show originally bex was going to be on this week and then we realized it's her birthday and uh, you were going to be on last week and you realized it was my birthday. It was your birthday. so inconveniently the pair of you had your birthdays the wrong way around uh, so um, yes happy birthday to bex i hope you're celebrating well what we did when bex was on last week is we recorded this uh, little bit about the episode and what she thought of it so you can get a little bit of an idea about what's coming up in that opening episode most of what we're talking about it's like there's not really any spoilers in there it's just kind of what she thought of it and what the backgrounds are if you need a bit of reminding about where we left everything because it has been off for 12 18 months at this point if you remember at the end of the last episode hester who was the boo hiss evil synth she destroyed the synthetic part of leo's brain leaving effectively brain dead mia then retaliates wiping both her and hester's mind in the process in an attempt to rescue mia niska then convinces laura's daughter matty to uh, push out her completed consciousness code across the global synth network in the hope that it will kind of reboot mia and uh, it reboots mia and hester and then uh, niska caves hester's head in it also awakens every synth currently on the planet creating what is effectively a worldwide synth apocalypse which is now referred to as day zero so um that's where we were at the end of the last season here is bex talking about what she thought of the opening episode So, humans, we sent you to the humans uh, event to see the opening episode. How was it? It was really, really cool. I had to walk out of there and be like, I now can't say anything to anyone. (laughs) I have to now be very, very quiet and sort of walked around just going, who do I talk to about this? Um, It's it's really cool. I was quite surprised because one of my criticisms I had for the second season was that the pace seemed to be too slow yeah we'd had all our introductions in the first season and everything was so new in that first season that it was you know it was correctly paced but by the second season i felt it was starting to drag and i was sort of getting a little bit worried for where it was going to go and then this season starts and they're just kind of like right it's one year later and the world's in chaos yes yeah i mean having done the set visits i know a little bit about the uh what what 
parts coming up. Can you sort of explain a little bit more what the setup is? Yeah, basically. So Matty setting off what is now called Day Zero and waking all of the synths that once has caused just crazy amounts of human death. Tens of thousands of people have died in plane crashes and disasters and trucks have crashed and just the whole world effectively came to a standstill and it's now this massive day of uh, mourning every year and she of course feels hugely responsible for that because in trying to save someone and trying to change the world she obviously could never know the exact consequences of it so she has that weight on her yeah and that's obviously just such a, a massive development for her character and the world as well is just so different because you have the simps a lot of them who want to live peacefully they can't really live with the humans anymore they're sort of in sort of not quite ghetto but sort of these segregated areas where they're kind of holed up there's some places where people are saying oh it's free for humans and simps to mix here but then then a target of sort of terrorism and the political landscape is just incredibly interesting they've taken some quite big risks as well with setting up a actual political party who are kind of you know the the extreme of taking kind of xenophobia type things and they are massively anti-synth and that's their political kind of campaign and um i showed you one of the flyers that they'd made yeah. that they've actually been handing out that the guys from channel four have been going to real artificial intelligence events handing out these flyers from this this imaginary political party and their sort of human human lives first kind of approach and it's just incredibly interesting the way everyone's character has had to change and evolve. And instead of showing us kind of the slow or, or the, the sudden kind of destruction of everything and how the world fell into chaos, this is just after that where things have reached a, a very uneasy balance and there's a new stage kind of happening. Um, there's even new synths that have been created who are guaranteed to not have the bugs of, yeah. the, of the current ones, um, the yellow eyes and... Um, that affects characters like Sophie a lot because in school they're taught about, you know, like green eyes are dangerous and yellow eyes are safe. And she's sitting there going, what about the nice ones? And she's, <laughs> you know, ends up punching a kid in the face in the first episode right? because she obviously knows things she can't tell. And it's it's a really interesting new dynamic. They also said in the Q&A afterwards that they felt the first season was sort of looking at introducing everything. The second season was looking at a sort of an us versus them on one scale. And then this is looking at an us versus them on this massive worldwide global scale. Plus by having the family broken up as well mm. um, and having them separated and the family split into two different locations, it's showing it on that small scale as well. It was just, yeah, it was really, really cool. And I very much disliked having to keep my mouth shut afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was quite difficult after I did the set visit to, to uh, not be able to talk about it. And that's been like months since I was on set because it was the end of last year, I think. So we've got interviews coming up with uh, Lucy, who plays Matty we've got interviews with one of the new yellow eye synths as well uh, so we'll come to that and uh, we've got an interview with a certain Mr Morgan who is uh, obviously one of the key guys in the show as well we'll come to those in a bit anything more you'd like to say about humans before we get on to the interviews I, I could probably happily talk about this one for hours to be honest I probably <laughs> shouldn't but it was it was wonderful to see it was lovely of Channel 4 to put it on and have so many of the cast there doing a Q&A I will say it's quite surreal to see the cast who are simps in the show not being simps <laughs> because yeah. they put so much work 
work into not blinking too much in changing the way they move so they don't make unnecessary movements um, mm. and seeing them just sort of being chilled and relaxed and being humans um, <laughs> it's quite interesting because it shows you just how well they are doing all of these tiny bits of their acting and tiny bits of their body language they're having to change to do the episodes to emote without emoting on screen it's yeah, the, really really impressive the synth school training that they have to mm. go through for, for that is quite interesting I remember you remember when uh, Gemma Chan did the uh, the TV documentary last year which I got wrecked yes. into one of the things they'd said to the other guys that I was interviewing for that was because I was going to be then going to talk to this uh, this fake version of Gemma and they didn't want to give the game away they were actually told to use their synth training to not move too much <laughs> when we were doing the interview which I thought was quite funny uh, but yeah that was great fun and uh, the set visit was wonderful as well just being able to be there watching Paul Lucy eat endless rounds of toast uh, <laughs> when when uh, when I was there because they were setting up a shot in the kitchen and she had to take a bite out of a piece of toast they must have gone through about 20 or 30 rounds of toast while I was watching her uh, I, also, <laughs> I also got a, uh, a cookie from Pixie who placed the younger daughter Sophie in it which uh, was lovely <laughs> she was handing out cookies which was great um, so yeah it was lovely to meet them all so uh, now we'll move on to a few interviews with the cast so we have three interviews coming up one with Lucy Careless who plays Matty one with Dino Fletcher who plays Stanley who is not a character you know because he's a new character uh, he is in the trailers you will have spot him in the trailers and uh, Colin Morgan the uh, legendary Colin Morgan that of course plays Leo so uh, those are the three interviews coming up we'll kick off with Lucy being the uh, person that basically caused the chaos that they now find themselves in should point out the interviews were recorded in their kind of catering tent just before they were due to come in and have food so if you can hear something that sounds like cutlery moving around in the background it is cutlery moving around in the background basically um so uh, i apologize for that but uh, i can hear her okay you should be able to hear me okay so um here's the interview with lucy and uh, she's talking about where we find matty at the moment and uh, how things are progressing for her it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. How is Matty coping with her decision to release the consciousness code? It hasn't been pretty, to say the least. Um, so when, when she released the code, there was no, no one had any idea what was going to happen, but it actually resulted in the death of hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and of course she wasn't to know that but ultimately she is responsible and she's taken the full brunt of it um, and it's really really struggling with her guilt it's quite constant and implacable and it, it's, it's there through most of the episodes really even if it sort of dwindles at times it's, it's, it's present in her 
So it's, it's been pretty rough for Matty. It's been a year of hell. And she's, she's trying to get on with her life. She's trying to come back to uni. But it's always there. It's always on the back of her mind. So as much as it helped to save Mia, it's really difficult for her. How's that manifesting itself? Uh, is she staying in the house a lot? Is she seen as a pariah if she goes out? Um, no one has any idea it's her. Um, they've sort of made the decision to no one has any idea and, and people are sort of sussing out, trying to suss out who it was because obviously this person, whoever it was, was responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. Um, there's kind of a sense of danger, but at the moment she feels pretty undercover it doesn't feel like she's going to get exposed anytime soon um, but yeah she, she goes to university she comes back she goes to visit Leo at the rail yard in his coma and he's kind of a sounding board really for all her guilt and, and she, she's free to to be a little bit self-pitying and you know a little bit sardonic about day zero whereas as much as a mother can care for someone when they're feeling a certain way Laura just doesn't understand and she can she can be the arm around you, but she's not the best person to have a conversation with because she just doesn't get how difficult it's been for Matty. So yeah, at home, at uni, at the rail yard. So I guess some form of routine, which is probably quite cathartic, but not much of a life really after that day. We know that Matty's parents are separated and Joey's living in this synth-free zone. What's her relationship with him like now? Yeah, it's it's difficult because after Joe had sex with um, Mia as Anita in the first series, obviously that was really difficult for any daughter to find out that their dad had banged the robot would be <laughs> would be pretty rough. And it, it took us some time to get over that. And, and during series two, there was a, their relationship began to form again and, and they were kind of on a level playing field at one point. But for him to decide to move to Walteringham... For Matty, it's upsetting. She, he's ostracised himself. He's distanced himself from everything that they've been through. Like this, these synths, these conscious synths have changed their lives. And for her, that's been for the better because it's helped her discover who she is and what she's good at. And for him to just completely up sticks and, and leave that and, and start this whole new life as if that never happened, I think is completely baffles her. And particularly with her responsibility, how responsible she feels for Day Zero, his disconnect from that, so upsetting. So yeah, there's there's no connection between Joe and Matty in, in the first few episodes. And how's Matty's relationship with her mother, particularly as she's now part of this initiative dealing with the synths? And she also obviously knows her daughter is responsible for day zero. Yeah. I think I, I've said this, I've, I've found myself thinking about this a lot. Guilt makes people very selfish and very in their own head. And, and Matty isn't a selfish person, but I think amongst all her guilt, she's lost sight a little bit. She's always attuned to it. She knows what her mum's doing, but there's less of a connection between, between what her mum's doing and what she's doing. She's become very insular with her guilt over the past year. I will say when, when Laura gets Stanley, it was obviously commissioned by the government. That's a big sort of like, you hypocrites. <laughs> you're going against all that you're, you're trying to do. That's the only real nod to it. Their relationship is is very, at the top of the series, it's very sort of maternal. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. This is how I'm dealing with it. And Laura giving Matty free reign to, to cope with her girl in whatever way she can. We saw you filming quite a few bits with Toby and Sophie this morning. Yes. How has it been being together with your humans family again? So, so so good so good I mean I love everyone on this job but there's so there's something so comforting about being with a fake family that sounds a bit <laughs> a big 
nice for me. Yeah. Really happy to finish. When we were doing the first series, we were all so young, and I was living in London on my own in a hotel. I said the scenes when I was with this this fictional family was so comforting and so much fun as well. So playful when we get to do it together, and there's a real discourse now. Um, discourse. There's a real sort of dialect between us now. So yeah, it's great to be back with them. Great. Every part of humans is fun, but I think when you work so closely, when you have that sort of relationship with people, it just gives you so much more freedom and it's so much more entertaining. So yeah, really great. So how does Matty feel about having the new synth around these new models? I'm really not sure, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's almost like going back to square one, isn't it? It's the same way as Joe moving away. It's like it distances itself from everything. It's just like something's gone wrong. That's OK. We'll just start all over, all over again. And something might go wrong again. So I think that that's that disdain that she had at the top of the first series for Anita is sort of present again. There's, there's a lot more sympathy and a lot more trepidation as well because she knows how fragile the coding is for these synthetics um but yeah there's no real relationship it's almost as if they've become just robots again so sad after all that time that they could just revert back to being exactly what they were before after everything that's happened um but yeah so a little bit of disdain but still some understanding of, of what they're capable of along with a year filming break between the seasons um this time there's also a year time jump on the show how has that been? I keep likening it to going back to school except like a entire years passed and we've got new teachers <laughs> and everyone looks a little bit different <laughs> yeah very strange very strange exciting and I think the fact that obviously we have we tend to have a year in between and actually having a year passed has meant that it's much easier to come back I was, I was quite anxious to begin with but because time has passed and these characters have changed and evolved so much in that time in between the same way that you do in your your day-to-day life outside of filming it almost makes it easier to come back having experienced that time away to meditate on on how the characters have changed and evolved within the year that was the interview with lucy next up we have the interview with dino as i say he's a new character he's called stanley and he's one of the new orange eyed synths so uh, he's actually helping out laura who uh, i think as we mentioned earlier is is working for this commission and this is sort of she's been had this synth forced on her effectively so we started off asking dino how he would describe the new development in synth technology that he's playing the way i describe it is like they're like the iphone x of synths <laughs> so if you've seen the other series they're kind of updated and their hardware is configured to not be conscious so they're completely unconscious they're the new safe models they really can't harm you um they just have the best technology do lots of things like wirelessly um, in terms of our costume and look, everything's just kind of pristine yeah. and almost kind of like unnervingly perfect. <laughs> yeah. So how do you go about playing that, getting into a synth mode? Yeah. I mean, we have uh, the choreographer, Dan, is absolutely incredible. So I had um, synth school with um, Aquali and Holly who play Anatole and Agnes on the first day. 
So we did like an introduction there because it, it's so spe- such specific work. Like I think the magic of the show is a lot. A lot of it is what Dan's put together, what he's created. So we went through kind of everything from how you look to the left to the right to standing up to sitting down to walking to turning around. It's so specific. Everything you see in every episode, something as small as a synth, just going to Dan will be with them for like ten minutes, going, "Okay, lead to the left and turn here." I'm trying to stand up. Remember, don't look parallel. So we did that. We had a day with them, and then we had all of the original synths. We did another day, and then, we, and then I had a specific day with Dan working on specific Orange Eyes choreography, which um, right. some of which yeah, we did together, which was really fun. So just really specific things, some things in the arm, where tension lies. I developed a different kind of charge, as in when they charge, mm-hmm. there's like a ripple in the hand. Yeah, it's just lots of practice. And then I walked around Clapham Common for days, being a synth. <laughs> <laughs> People looking at me like I was a mental. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was good. And then it kind of like drops into your body and you, you're able to think about it less. A lot of the guys that have done it before have said it's a lot about minimising the movement. Absolutely. Is it the same thing for the orange eyes? Yeah, totally. So it's not it's not like a massive difference in that in terms of the movement. The difference between green eyes and orange eyes is mainly in the arms and tension and a few things like charging. But yeah, it's all kind of the same in terms of it's whatever uses the least amount of energy. So whatever's kind of conserves the battery power the most everything's very smooth nothing is kind of superfluous story-wise is the point of that that they're less human to help put people at ease a bit more yeah i think that's the idea that's when dan and i were talking about kind of okay moving forward with what's happened obviously if you've seen the other series that they've become conscious and all this has happened it was i guess dehumanizing them in a way so they have a standby mode whereas green eyes are kind of more proactive in that you know you don't need to tell them and off Gemma who um who plays Mia and Anita would go off and clean and always be doing something orange eyes will kind of follow a command and then when they're not needed they go into a, a kind of a shutdown mode so they're kind of more in the background you can forget them a bit more yeah. and just a little bit more deconnected I guess how was it for you joining in the third season were you a fan beforehand yeah I was yeah I watched both series beforehand so it was it was pretty cool and actually I filmed the TV show last year called Paranoid and that's when I watched it. I got it on DVD and I was I, I was doing something around the house like because my house it freaked my housemate James out quite a lot <laughs> so I was always like hello James <laughs> and I just really enjoyed it so when I got my audition through in like July I was like yes because I work very physically lots of my training has been physical I dance I was really attracted to the idea of something that specific and focused yeah so it was it was a real real thrill and honor to join the show because it's such a brilliant show with such an amazing cast and team what's been the most challenging thing for you so far so far it has to well as an actor there's lots of things you rely on or you use in terms of helping you become more human and, and more natural and finding these nuances things like breath things like you know intonation pausing movements and then all of a sudden all of that's gone and it's things like you have to specifically be careful where you blink my costume's so tight i can't show that i'm breathing intonation has to be perfect there can't be pauses because it's kind of like siri you know it has to be delivered in a perfect way with the words stressed exactly in the right way can't be too loud so those kind of technical things have been the biggest challenge because obviously all my work usually is towards creating a truthful performance as a human so it's stripping that back and being so precise but it's been a great challenge 
yeah. and a lot of fun. How's Stanley getting on with the rest of the family? Because we know he's there to sort of help out, isn't he? So yeah, this is why I get scared of like room plot lines. I can say stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Laura is on the commission to talk about what's happening with the synths, and they're all coming together to see what decisions need to be made. And as a part of that, everyone on the commission, it's a requirement for them to have an orange-eyed synth. So we, I'm kind of her PA, chauffeur, bodyguard. So she's resisting initially until Niha, played by Thesita, insists, says it's a prerequisite. You have to have one of these or you're not on and so she agrees so in I come it's kind of like it's reminiscent of um, Anita in the first series that's the kind of vibe I am it's very it's kind of comical in the lots of lots of the I'm sorry I don't understand the question sort of things and trying to be helpful misunderstanding colloquialisms for instructions but yeah, he starts to become a real part of the family. And I think that Catherine, Laura, played by Catherine, starts to actually enjoy him being there. And they develop a relationship, which is quite interesting, even though he is unconscious, you know? I mean, the family have seen all kinds of synths. Um, what was their initial reaction to you? Uh, do you have to win them over? Well, not that you can try, but... No. Yeah, I think initially, well, initially Catherine, um, L- Laura, she's kind of resistant. She doesn't want to, but because because they're unconscious, the green eyes see them as kind of enslaved and it's it's taboo and she's obviously fighting for their rights. So it's, it's not good for her from that perspective. Um, Sophie loves synths, so she's thrilled. Toby's happy. Um, and as time goes on and he kind of, he acts as a protector, a friend, a helper. Organically, I think the relationships become quite positive. They're grateful for him. Are you a sort of replacement for Joe, given that he's no longer living with the family? Ooh, uh. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that was the intention in terms of like the writing. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't kind of jump into Joe's sh- no, shoes. No. But um, I think it's definitely a help because she's gone from being, you know, a two-parent family to a single mom household. So she's grateful for the fact that even. Though I think she was, uh, Laura doesn't really want to admit that she needed the help. Yeah. When it comes, she's grateful for it. How are the physical orange eyes actually done? Are you wearing contacts? It's not actually contacts. It's all CGI. Yeah. Oh, is it? So it's CGI, yeah, which I think is much better because if you see it w- with contacts, it'd be very difficult to light them in particular ways. And the way they do it on CGI really looks like a true glow, which really adds to that kind of synthetic humanoidy robot vibe. Are there any TV or movie androids or robots you actually were looking at for a bit of inspiration yes I looked at um, Fassbender oh, yeah. in, um, in the newest Aliens he yeah. was very useful for me actually and then just I researched I just rewatched lots of the earlier episodes yeah those were my kind of points of references and one of my favourite films actually which name I've completely forgotten What's it? they just did a remake of it Blade Runner Blade Runner oh, yeah. yeah yeah which I don't think like in terms of technically was the same but still just for the mindset and stuff that kind of stuff well, yeah very much. Yes. pleasure lovely to meet you. So that was the interview with Dino. And lastly, we have the legend that is Colin Morgan. Should point out, if you've only ever seen Colin on like Merlin or Humans, his accent might come as a bit of a shock because he has a very thick Irish accent. <laughs> Lovely, but quite a thick Irish accent. But it is definitely Colin Morgan. So obviously he plays Leo. Leo was not left in a great state at the end of the last season. He starts off this season in a coma, but uh, as you would expect, wait up so here's him talking about where he finds himself 
given where Leo ended up at the end of last season, are you quite happy to be back? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's uh, it's coming back as a changed person, essentially, because I think what, what Leo went through, he was going through a transition period last series, but then he was forced into a situation where actually he's quite had to change entirely now in a physical way and in an emotional way. And so I feel like where, he, where we left him before, his emotional journey um, was kind of cut short in a very kind of brutal way. And now it's, now it's a completely different thing. It's a different journey for him. So yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to come back and be a part of something that's already so great, but also to for them to present a different kind of challenge to you as an actor is great too. Has the balance between the synth part of Leo's brain and the human part of his brain changed now? Uh, well, essentially, the synthetic part of his brain was destroyed. And as a result, he's 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 been in a coma for, for a year, really. And during the course of that year that all the technology has actually been taken out of his body so he's he's fully human now which is an interesting thing for him to have to come to terms with because that's such a huge definition of who he was and this fight and his purpose in life was marrying the synthetics with the humans and making that he was kind of the embodiment of his mission and looking for the humans and the synthetics to be together because that's kind of what he had going on in his body and now without that it's like he's got all these sort of ancient dusty dormant feelings of what it was like to be a human before he was made into a cyborg essentially so he's he's trying to adjust to that he's trying to to make sense of it and um what's kind of scary and exciting is that it's happening at a very rapid rate that he's recovering at a kind of crazy rate which is great because it means he can get stuck straight into the action but also it means you know possibly there's something else going on with him so now that he is human how's his relationship with his synth family he is different um and but he's he's been more or less told i mean we see really from the beginning that he's rejected sort of expelled out of the rail yard where max is quite directly he talks to mia on the phone and she more or less says that we need to leave live independent lives and so very much his family aren't putting him as a feature in their lives and so he's having to do that but it's it's weird I think it's it's weird that he feels almost like as if he doesn't not that he doesn't care but it doesn't affect him quite as much which not not as a choice but just it's sort of happening quite naturally because before his body didn't allow him to defend against emotional things and now that humans are very good at like we are very good at just putting like dealing with trauma and forgetting about it and our body does that defensively and he didn't really have that before and his body's kind of doing that now he's forgetting the things that were so traumatic they're starting to be repressed they're starting to sort of go away so he's actually able to be a lot freer and i think so i think the idea of him being free of everything is 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 an exciting place for him to be we know that there are some new faces like orange eyed since this season how's leo coping with that uh well it's he doesn't have much interaction actually with with a lot of the synthetic technology which is interesting because i guess it's one of the few times where he is actually not being surrounded by technology in himself and in his surroundings i mean essentially when he when he goes to the hawkins house it's one of the few times he's actually been in a room with no synthetic presence and so it's a whole new way of being in in terms of that he's not so much driven anymore to i I think to to set the synth free because they are free now and they are that it has happened and it needed to happen and of course he would have liked to have been there for it but i guess that the synth the synth battle that he was so sort of driven for now is kind of redundant for him but he still he still has the kind of legacy of his dad his dad's created the technology so he's got that to uphold and so he has a responsibility on a certain level but it's no longer the kind 
kind of mission to belong in the world as this thing that isn't like anyone else in the world, or so he thinks. With the Orange Eyes effectively being enslaved since, how does Leo feel about that, given everything he went through to freeing all the others? It's no longer his fight, but he does, you know, he, he hears about it. He's getting all the information. He has a lot to catch up on. He hasn't had the transition period. Essentially, when he wakes out of the coma, he thinks he's still on the floor in the Hawkins house. Like, his, his sense of time is literally the audience's sense of time, which is, like, immediately he's, like, picking, he's expecting to see Hester almost when he opens his eyes. So everything's sort of backpaddling, but he doesn't talk about the technology very much. He doesn't talk about the new sense. He doesn't mention it. It doesn't seem to be on his radar anymore. It's kind of about what's my purpose now that I'm in the world as a fully-fledged human and my synth family don't really need me anymore or want me to feature in their lives. What am I kind of doing? And I think it's it's a nice discovery for him to actually wake up of a morning and not know that the day ahead is going to be a struggle to survive and a fight to go on, but actually to have free time and to just experience life for what it has to offer. That's his journey. That's his experience. How do you deal with actually just being okay? Because he's never really been okay. And I think that's his, that's his journey. Is he looking to the Hawkins family to sort of become his human family now? Yeah, spot on. Yeah, I think that's, that's it. I think he'd love to be inaugurated into the family life. And he's looking for ways in. And, you know, he even suggests at one point leaving Sophie to school. But yet, that's kind of... He doesn't quite get the the etiquette as such that that would actually. He thinks it's quite a nice thing, but actually, it's like oh no, not that the family don't want him to. It's just that it's they, they have their life, and it takes a long. T- I think I think that's the thing he's realizing as well that um you know while things are his recovery is happening very quickly in his body, and he very very soon everything's like that. But relationships take a lot longer, and I don't. I think I think the speeding inside him is sort of conflicting with how long it takes to build human relationships and make that your life and so there's a conflict going on there too but yeah definitely the Hawkins are featuring as a, as a model and a, and a possible uh, platform for him to exist your character is obviously going to be very different this year um, is that evolution quite nice for you uh, from an acting point of view yeah it's great it's great that, that Sam and John are willing to do that with the characters in fact they're willing to do that with the series every year they, 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 they have explored territory that hasn't been explored previously they're not revisiting over old ideas or old characters or old feelings they've done that they've explored it they know that we've experienced that and they move on it's kind of a ruthless way of storytelling which I think is really addictive and that you're not going to see the same churned out things and the fact that I get to do that as a character as well that you know series one he was quite a closed off kind of grumpy sort of you know quite aggressive to the world kind of character because he didn't trust anyone and then he opened up a bit more in the second season as he started to feel feelings for things and, and tried to belong as a as a kind of unit as a family unit and now going into the third season he is and he's possibly the, the one of the regular characters that changes the most I'd say probably because um, he actually is a he is kind of a different person so it is an evolution of I guess weirdly a backwards evolution the fact that he had all this technology and he's now been regressed down to what's possibly inferior in this world the show is you say changes every season and this season seems to deal very much with two divided communities with the humans and the synths 
Do you mm. see that as a quite a timely thing, given how divided places like the UK and the US seem to be on various issues at the moment? I guess, I mean, there's parallels for anything where you can find conflict. And I suppose that in a world where everyone wants to belong in some way, I mean, that's been a, that's been a universal theme. It's been a timeless theme. Everyone needs to feel a part of something. And that the people that don't feel a part can often take drastic means to make their message heard. And I guess here there is segregation. There is is pockets of people having to populate areas that are where they can, they know they can be safe and then there is the people who have known what a certain way of life who don't want their world to change even though that's an impossible kind of thing because it's an ever-changing ever-evolving world i mean there are, yeah i guess there are parallels but in purely i guess in this in the sci-fi world it's the humans v the synths <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if i ask you one merlin question <laughs> what do you think <laughs> to you. Okay. I know you're not on Twitter. You might be aware there is a Bring Back Merlin hashtag, which has been floating around. Right. Uh, sci-fi on every running the show. All right. Entirely. Okay. Uh, there was many people sort of thinking that it might lead to something else. So all I wanted to ask you is, if they could find a way of doing it, would you be interested in returning to that character? You know, I had the best time doing the show, um, five years of it, but no, like we said, evolution and, and evolving through things, <laughs> yeah. especially as an actor, it's about it's about developing and moving forward. Yeah. And for me personally, I've done all I can do with that character and to do any more could risk humbling the blocks we've built for five <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd hate to, to do it and not enjoy it. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. That was the interview with the cast of humans. Now you've heard it all, are you looking forward to the season coming back? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I actually am looking forward to this. It's one of those ones where I want to try and watch it like as it's aired. Yeah. Um, very few programs I want to do that just so I can keep up with what everyone's going to be talking about. Um, I will try. I can't promise anything, but I will definitely, <laughs> definitely try. Yes, well, I will definitely be watching it. Certainly, if even if it's like 15 minutes later so I can skip over the adverts, but I will definitely be watching it on the uh, same evening it goes out i'm very very much looking forward to this it's an amazing amazing show i had such a lovely time going down to see and set visit the cast are all really nice i mean i interviewed quite a lot of the cast and obviously was pulled onto the tv thing with Gemma chan last year as well so uh you know i really really like the show and uh, i'm very much looking forward to seeing it back on screen 17th of may on channel four for humans season three make sure you tune in it's going to be brilliant now we have some highlights for next week on tv so highlights for next week we kick off with the show a lot of people i know have been waiting for the 100 returns for its fifth season on e4 that's on the 9th of may at 9 p.m is the 100 a show you've caught yet i remember watching it when it first came out i watched like episodes one to five and i wasn't into it i wasn't getting into it so i gave up on it i I threw the towel in very early (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it was very teen drama when it first started i think and it kind of got past that it got much better as you got further into the season i think and uh, certainly the I, the new season is looking extremely interesting so uh, i have very much been enjoying it if you're wondering why that's a bit later this year it's because it was later in the u.s as well it's nothing to do with e4 they're airing it actually reasonably close to the uh, u.s air date so that is back there is a show called teachers which is coming to for its second season on comedy central this mm-hmm. on the 10th of may at 11 p.m i've not caught this i don't know whether this is one that you've you know 
me, I tracked everything with the word teachers in the title. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have watched it. Um, it's uh, from a comedy act called The Six Katies. Um, yes. So they are all called Kat, Catherine, Katie, the comedians. Um, and they all play a very different character type. It's very slapstick. It's very out there. It's 21, 22 minute per episode. Right. Um, it's uh, completely harmless. So <laughs> I, I, I watch it. I have it on in the background. You would never believe that's what happened but it's just obviously playing on the comedy element and there are some really stock characters in there as right. well and you would recognize the principal if you were a fan of will and grace um because <laughs> the principal was one of um the couple in the very first few seasons who have the baby together and come over and play poker night with will um, <laughs> you, you recognize the actor straight away he's there he's that's the principal right right okay so uh, that's teachers season two that's on comedy central on the 10th of may at 11 p.m there's a new show coming onto netflix called safe we put season one on but this may be a mini series 10th of may this arrives as well it's from the creator of the five which was that mini series that ran on sky it is a very british looking drama it's not the sort of thing that i would associate with normally being on netflix however they have got an american michael c hall aka dexter in the uh, mm. lead he plays a widowed surgeon who after his daughter goes missing begins unearthing dark secrets about the people closest around him so um it's not that dissimilar to the sort of plot idea of of the five because that was about missing kids i seem to remember as well but michael c hall doing a british accent i think he's probably worth watching for that alone <laughs> if nothing else <laughs> Um, and I really enjoyed The Five. I thought it was a really great show. So um, if you're a fan of that, I think this could be one worth going to watch. But uh, Netflix on the 10th of May for that one. The Bridge, the fourth and final season of that. I know a lot of people have been asking about this. BBC Two, that's coming to on the 11th of May at 9pm. Uh, note, BBC Two, not BBC Four. It's moved across for the final season. So uh, that's the uh, Swedish-Danish language drama. I've not watched any of those, but I'm told it's brilliant so there you go Bill Nye Saves the World season 3 of that is on Netflix on the 11th of May as well very well worth watching Patrick Melrose so that arrives on the 13th of May at 2am because they're simulcasting it with the US as well mm -hmm. or the US are simulcasting it with us and we've had to put it at 2am because of that because I don't <laughs> know who took the lead on this show it's always been pushed as a Sky Atlantic series not a HBO series but there you go you can't fail to have seen an advert for this because it's been trailered everywhere. Everywhere. And yeah, they're all over magazines at the moment as well. Yeah. Stars Benedict Cumberbatch. I think this is going to be definitely well worth watching because it's Benedict Cumberbatch. It's on a sort of Sky Atlantic HBO level drama. What's not to love, really? You know, I think that's going to be worth watching yeah. out for. And then uh, Lucifer, if you're um, following on the TV broadcast, if you're not got Amazon Prime and you're following on the TV broadcast on Fox, second season of Lucifer is coming on the 14th of May at 9pm. And then lastly, Bulletproof, which is this uh, new drama. Again, this is trailered all over the place. This is coming to uh, Sky One on the 15th of May at 9pm. This is the new police drama starring Noel Clark and Ashley Walters, and it looks brilliant. It looks very funny. They're playing two sort of cops working together. I think this looks like it could be a really fun show. Definitely, definitely. I'll be, I think that one is down on my list. Um, out of those, Bulletproof and Patrick Melrose, I've already sort of ticked those as a 
two that I'm going to add to my ever, ever lengthening <laughs> list of programs I would like to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, certainly those, those two I would I would definitely watch this week. And uh, check out Safe as well, because I think that could be quite interesting. So um, that's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to add in. No, I don't think so. I mean, I've got, um, I'm going to go and see the new movie with Gabrielle Union breaking in this week. Um, And hopefully I'll get a review of that up onto the website by the weekend. Something a little bit different from our sort of Marvel overload that we've had in the cinemas recently. So I thought that would be nice to break up uh, Avengers to Deadpool. I also want to try and get through a few things on Netflix at the moment. I've decided to go backwards a little bit. So I finished the first season of BoJack Horseman. So I'm going right. to try and continue watching that. They're nice uh, little comedies that I can watch on the train. Uh, but and with anything, if I uh, see something or have a comment, anything, I'm going to tweet through my Twitter. So if people want to follow me at Grey the Geek, I'll put things out there as well. Yes, that's Grey with an A, not Grey with an E as well. That is Grey <laughs> with an A. <laughs> and for our sort of stuff, obviously you can find us at uh, geektown.co.uk for all the latest air dates and changes and renewals and cancellations like I say over the next couple of weeks there's going to be a lot of those over the next couple of weeks so uh, make sure you check out the website if you're a fan of humans check out the website over this week as well there will be more human stuff coming you can get in touch with your questions and comments by emailing us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.